Hi, I'm Ben and welcome to Field and Foley episode 18. Joining me on the podcast today is the multi-award winning Danish sound designer and re-recording mixer Peter Albrechtsen. With a versatile career spanning across Scandinavian and international cinema, Peter's sonic craftsmanship has graced renowned films such as Evil Dead Rise, The Territory and The Killing of Two Lovers amongst many others. His artistry extends beyond borders, earning him esteemed memberships in AMPAS, MPSE, CAS and AMPS. Uh, that's a lot of abbreviations. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> Peter, and thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for all the kind words. Yeah, I tried my best, um, yeah, to like give it a little little intro with all the stuff you already did. But it's like, uh, yeah, it's not that easy fitting everything in. And I'm actually really excited to talk to you about um, a lot of the films, um, especially Evil Dead Rise, uh, which you can probably <laughs> guess because it's it's been a huge success. And um, I've been a, a huge fan of the sound design. So, like diving right into it, um, how was like your experience working on such an esteemed franchise? Well, in the beginning, um, just when I got the offer to do the film, I was—I um, mean—both very, very excited, but also like you feel the pressure of kind of being part of a franchise that I mean, I've been growing up with that mm -hmm. series of films and like. Um, uh, Evil Dead 2 for me is like an all-time horror classic. I watched that film so much as a teenager that my VHS tape kind of like imploded. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so in that sense, it's like it's like really iconic horror movies. And being part of that was something very special. But then as soon as the creative collaboration started with director Lee Cronin and I got to read the script, I also just realized like this is going to be really something special. This is going to be very extraordinary and it's going to be a lot about creative sound design. And just from my first um, talks with Lee, uh, who's both the director and the scriptwriter, um I mean, you could I could tell that he was incredibly passionate about sound and really incredibly passionate about, like, um, sonic storytelling. And it, I mean, the script was one of the most sonically detailed scripts I've ever read. It had, it had so much sound written into it. It's just, like, amazing. So um, just from the very beginning, it was also just very clear to me that this was going to be very special. And um, yeah, then I worked on the film for eight months. So it was by far the longest um, creative process I've ever had with one film. Um, and that was really great because it meant that there was time for experimentation. There was time for playing around with things I had a wonderful crew. There was a brilliant picture editor who really wanted to collaborate. There was a wonderful composer who's also who was also very open for um, exchanging ideas between sound design and music. So it was really for me a dream project. Amazing, yeah, and you can really like hear it in the result and also see it. I, I think. Um the, it always shows when, when people are excited about sound and uh, the, the sound humans get involved in the process. Um, because I was like, every second, basically, I was either stunned by some visuals or by some sounds. And I also liked that it, at least in my opinion, didn't have like any cheap shots, uh, either visually or like sonically. It's like there's a lot of sounds that you could have done and you didn't have, um, didn't do. And then there's stuff where it's like, whoa, where, where did this come from? And um, yeah, one of the things that, of course, I saw and many other people saw as well, and we will link it in the show notes, was the anatomy of the scream, like the breakdown of how you designed the, the, the famous scream like on top of the bathtub, which was amazing. But I also liked the details and the, and the little things. And I wanted to ask you about something specific, and I don't know if you remember doing it or if it's, it's something conscious, but I'm, 
I had this experience um, towards the end of the movie. The characters are trying to escape like a parking garage, and there's uh, lights flickering on overhead, and it sounds like a, like a hopeful flickering, like a hopeful flickering to the exit. Is it something that was like consciously designed to feel that way, or was it just my imagination? <laughs> I don't know if we were. I mean. I wouldn't say that I was thinking of it as hopeful flickering. That's a beautiful expression. But um, I was definitely um, thinking of the musical qualities of the flickering. Yes. And I think actually like when when sounds have that kind of musical quality, you get attached to them emotionally in a different way. And it can be even like the flickering of lights. I mean, the the rhythm of that... It was based on a lot of recordings done with um, contact microphones on fluorescent lights. Mm. And it just had this very particular sound uh, and rhythm to it. So um, it, I mean, it took a lot of editing doing that sequence because they flickered throughout the whole sequence. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I... I, 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 in that sense, like really tried to enhance the musical element of it, like really trying to both, both you kind of like trying to hit the sync points of what you see visually in the picture, but also at some point you start just using it as a rhythm in itself so that it feels right with the cuts and the rhythm of the characters, how they move, how they talk to each other, how they don't talk to each other. Um, all these things that you can, I mean, you can dive deep into a sound like that, sounds like that, and just spend a lot of time on really refining that so it works as well as possible with the, the entire sequence. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, and speaking of like recording uh, with, with microphones, did you do a lot of recording, especially for the movie, or um, did you like use a lot of library sounds or sounds from... From other people, we recorded a lot of sound for this film, like lots and lots and lots of sound. Like I think every scene in that film has at least one, and often like many specific sound recordings built into um, the scene and built into the soundtrack. Like the way that um, I approach sound design is to really. Um, try and gather as much great raw material as possible because I think that's really where the secret to great sound design is. I think there's so many amazing sounds in the world that uh, you can capture all the time and really like use in all kinds of ways, like sometimes use them just like you recorded them and sometimes just manipulate them like crazy, but they there's a certain kind of organic musical quality to to things you record in the real world, which I really like and which I often find very inspiring. I mean, every day I walk around and I'm listening and I'm like I'm always having one of these small recorders with me that means that I can record anything that I find special or unique and um, inspiring and we did a lot of that for evil dead rise so like it was just it was this um, combination of sometimes like having a specific sound you wanted to record and sometimes also just trying to record something in a special way or sometimes worldizing things i mean which is this concept where you re-record a sound that you already have so that um um, it's a it's a concept that Walter Murch, uh, who's really the godfather of sound design for movies, back in the 70s, he kind of invented this term, worldizing, where you play a sound back from a speaker and re-record it in a room mm. to get the kind of acoustic quality that a sound played back in a room can get. So actually for something like the earthquake in the film... Um, we started out like building lots of sounds for the earthquake, all kinds of rumblings, things that like things that were falling around and like crashing and all of these things. And it was it was very powerful, but it kind of 
missed for me it missed the feeling of physicality in a way it became like a lot of sound effects on top of each other and what we did then was that uh, i have uh, an assistant uh, uh, Mikkel nielsen who uh, also does uh, sound libraries uh, sonic salute is his uh, company's name we work together all the time and what we did was that we played back uh, all these sound effects of the earthquake in a studio and then re-recorded it um, and then suddenly when we added those sounds to the to that sequence it just felt more real it felt more organic it felt more more immersive and powerful and physical and it was actually quite interesting like it was a way of just making the sound come alive yeah absolutely i've, I've used this technique as well and i was always uh, astounded at what it can accomplish and uh, yeah i don't know if it's like a, some kind of hidden cues in there that you you might be able to to achieve with, with plugins but you i don't know you would have to be probably like calculating a certain room and, and making it very very specific to something you want to hear but uh, yeah knowing that uh, it's probably easier to do it like the physical way and um, yeah I'm, I'm also like as i said I, I really like this technique as well to making it more like more real more tangible and um, yeah but then um, just asking about if you if you don't record something or when don't you record something when do you like try to get sounds from libraries is just something where it's like okay this is something i cannot record like massive explosions or is it when you're looking for something specific to get inspired by or something like that um i mean there's all the kind of i mean there's all the sounds that are just like impossible to get hold of like ambiences from like another parts of the world or yeah as you mentioned explosions um here in denmark you never really um, have thunder on its own. Like, I'm based in Copenhagen, and whenever there's a thunderstorm here, it's also raining, mm. which means that you, you... I mean, I think I experienced it only a couple of times during my lifetime almost, that it's thunder, there's thunder without rain. So um, for a film like Evil Dead Rise, where I needed several places to have thunder without any rain. So thunder, to control the sound of thunder, uh, I then um, got hold of some libraries. Uh, the recordist, Frank Bry, has some amazing thunder recordings, uh, which I've used uh, before and also used in this film. And I actually then used them not only as a thunderclap here and there and some lightning stuff, but also as textures. I kind of took the thunder sound, pitched them down, did some delays and reverbs on them and used them as textures inside of the apartment where most of the action in Evil Dead Rise takes place. There's, I mean, it's constantly raining outside, so I could really use the these textures of thunder almost like musical elements, things that kind of moved around and we kind of panned them around the Dolby Atmos system to kind of get this feeling of like being enveloped in these dark drones. But because it was thunder, it just like it had this gritty realness to it that f made it even more like scary in a way or edgy. Yeah, absolutely. It made you like part of the part of the environment and it, it made you feel like you were actually there and that's it's also like it's it's a great setting to explore because you have this this old building so you have lots of opportunities for creeks and um you have many tangible things that we all have in our houses like doors and uh, like the windows when they are vibrating from thunder and stuff like that it's that's always evoking something in myself so um yeah you did an amazing job with that um and maybe maybe going from Evil Dead Rise to something uh, something else. Then um, I've seen the trailer for The Last and the First Man, and it's uh, really evocative. And it's um, yeah, it's a movie I'm looking forward to to watching. Um, what was it like to do the sound design for that one? Because it's like it's a very special project, right? That was a very special project. It was uh, directed by composer Johan Johansson, who is an old friend of mine uh, and who died tragically. Um, uh, some years back, 
uh, and um, this was his kind of dream project that he worked on for several years and he actually died before we finished it uh, so the kind of core crew of the film finished the film without him but with all these like all the uh, all the directions that he had given us like it was we were in a place where we felt that we could totally finish this film in the way that he wanted it to um i was the mixer on that film i wasn't actually the sound designer um i worked uh, with um johan very early on the film um he had heard some uh, recordings that Chris Watson had done, um, some different nature recordings that he was very inspired by. Mm. And he started composing his music um, inspired by those recordings and with those recordings as a part of his music. So um, the film in many ways started from the sound or the music started from the sound instead of like often like on so many films you kind of have the music department on one side and the sound department on the other side but on this film it was really like it was really integrated it was like um really a, a, a um, yeah a, something that was part of the original vision and what we did then was that um um um, then Johan kind of built his score and the editing was very much built around that. But also from the beginning, um, the sound designer Jana Irmot, who's based in Berlin, uh, she started building all these soundscapes as well. Um, because it's a film without dialogue and without any characters in it, mm. it's really based on landscapes and then Tilda Swinton's voiceover. So then the sound was much more abstract, um, sometimes making the images seem almost real, uh, at other points becoming very kind of poetic. And uh, Jana did some amazing uh, work on creating all these textures that then in the mix, we really worked together on kind of making music and sound come together in a way where it felt like really a, a big symphony of of music and sound yeah that sounds sounds like a wonderful movie i, I haven't seen it yet but i'm i'm be sure to check it out because it's like as i said the trailer already got me really interested in the in the whole idea of the movie without yeah, as, as you said without persons without dialogue in it um, and just this focus on, on audio and sound and music working together beautifully. That's great. And um, yeah, I mean, for, for whatever movie you're starting, um, do, how do you like approach the creative process of, of sound designing when you start a new project? I mean, for this, you, you were the mixer, but if you're the sound designer, do you have like a, a set starting point where it's like I'm trying to gather as much information or I'm trying to, yeah call back to other projects I did or something you have in mind for that? Actually, the reason for me calling myself a sound designer when I work on a film is really it's because for me, as as I mentioned earlier, like Walter Murch uh, is a big inspiration for me. Uh, and his whole idea of doing sound for movies is that the sound designer is a part of the process already from the script stage. And I'm I'm doing the same on the films I work on, um, on the fiction films I work on. I'm always part of the the script uh, process, and on the documentaries I do, I'm part of the process. Sometimes before they start shooting, or at least while they're shooting, so we can have this communication about like how to develop a kind of sonic identity for this story for this film, um, and I feel like by having those conversations very early, it really inspires everyone on the film. I mean, it inspires the director, of course, but it is also very inspiring for the actors. It's very inspiring for the cinematographer. And it's very inspiring, of course, for the picture. It's a late on. Um, so I really like being involved very early. And um, 
This means that, I mean, some projects that I work on, I've been part of for several years before it actually gets to the sound editing process. So it's actually, uh, also for me, it's a way of slowly kind of developing um, different ideas and just recording sounds that I think would work well for the project. Um, as soon as I get a script, I kind of look at it almost like a grocery list of sounds <laughs> that I need to record. Um, and I mean, that can be historical sounds, that can be sounds from a specific area in the world, that can be sounds of specific animals or like there's all these different things that as soon as you know the storyline or get a script or talk with the director then immediately you start kind of like getting ideas for what you want to do with the the the, the sound of the film yeah that makes sense and um do you have also like collaboration process other than with the directors also with other members of the film crew i mean you, you mentioned like it can inspire other people as well it's like do you have the the opportunity to talk with i don't know maybe the set designers as well and the actors or is it mostly just a director and yeah the filming crew um it depends a little bit on the setup how much uh communication we have across the team uh it's great when i'm able to have talks early on with the cinematographer for example um that happens sometimes sometimes it's mostly like the picture editor and the composer um but i mean it's amazing when you do i mean i i often for the last several uh, feature films i've been involved with uh, i've i mean for a lot of them we've been doing these sound sketches before they started shooting the film hmm. So that everyone could hear those sound sketches and get an idea of okay, so what is it we're aiming for, um, and um, that could be really inspiring for everybody on the team. And I mean, like I've even experienced having a great conversation with a line producer because, like, the line producer had had seen one one of these sound sketches that was done early and then realized ah, okay so this scene in the script even though it doesn't have any lines in it it's actually incredibly important and we need to have proper time to shoot that thing in a great visual way because the sound has to do all these things that is a part of the storytelling in the film yeah yeah and speaking of that um how's your approach on, on navigating like the balance between enhancing a scene with sound and ensuring it it doesn't overpower the narrative because i mean of course for for movies like evil dead rise the sound is very much like a centerpiece of the experience for horror movies in, in general but um yeah it's not always um, the case with other movies as well right no of course like for every film It, I mean, every film has its own identity and every film has its own story and every film has its own sound. And sometimes a film can be very noisy and layered and very in your face with sound. Other movies can be very, very silent and quiet and subtle. And that can be very difficult to do as well. I mean, sometimes people are quite surprised when I say that Like making a quiet film can be really difficult for a sound designer because it takes a lot of like uh, courage and boldness to find out so which are those few sounds you want to hear and mm. how do you make sure that it they they are evocative and powerful. Um, but I feel that like I I'm I'm really privileged because I get to work with filmmakers who really wants to explore what sound can do and really wants to experiment. And um that's very much what I do. I really try out things. I I mean one of the great things about being a part of a project early is that I also have time to just try out things. The further you get into a project and the closer you get to a deadline, you don't have that much time to experiment anymore because you need to make sure that you're actually finishing the film in time. I mean, you need to make sure that the the sounds that you've done like work well for the film. And uh, if you don't have much time, then you kind of 
pick the safe route all the time. You kind of mm. say, ah, okay, you do it the way that you're used to do. Um, but because I'm part of the projects early, I often have time to experiment and play around with things. And um, that is so important for me. And um, I feel that uh, for me, like talking about like how much can you push your film in a way, like how how much can you experiment? I always go to the edge and actually quite often a little beyond the edge <laughs> and kind of like really try and push the film and really try to push the sound. But then I also realize, okay, so this is too much. I have to scale back over here. But then there's also moments where like some of this crazy experimentation suddenly actually does something really great with the film. And I mean, crazy experimentation can also be taking away sound and making it very, very quiet. Or like, it doesn't have to be noisy and in your face. It can be so many different levels of experimentations. But um, I really feel that by trying to push the, the, the scene and the sound of the film as far as possible, then I can see and hear and feel what works and what doesn't work because it's very very hard to imagine that um in like in advance you can kind of you can have all kinds of ideas of what you want to try to achieve or what what the sounds you do but really it's not until you sit there with the picture and your sounds and you see and hear them together that you realize okay so what is actually really working and what is not working and for that i really feel like the 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 more i can push things the more i push myself the more i feel like i'm really opening up the film for uh, creating something extraordinary yeah that totally makes sense to me and I'm, i think it is also a good tip for sound designers starting out to try to push it um until the point where you realize it, it has been gone too far and then just reel it back. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then also be, be okay with people saying, ah, this is too much or you yeah. have to mute your sounds. You have to, <laughs> you have to be, uh, be aware that making movies is really a, a creative collaboration. It's very, it's a really teamwork. It's a collaborative medium. And you really have to kind of be able to say, okay, you're right, this is too much. Or like, okay, so yeah, let's do, let's go in another direction. I mean, and be able to say, okay, I spent three, four days on, or maybe two weeks on creating something that's just not working. Mm. So I have to mute all that and keep, do something else. And sometimes that happens, but it's um, part of the process. And uh, I really love the saying by by sound design guru uh, Randy Tom, where he's saying, um, "My ego comes pre-shrunk." <laughs> so That's very good, yeah. Uh, so um, really, don't. I mean, you have to bring your own personality to the film. Yeah. But you cannot bring a big ego to the film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was uh, just thinking of the "Kill Your Darlings" line, but um, that is something that is also the f one of the first things I tell people I work with is like, please be like very honest and shut me down if something doesn't work because it's not about me and it's not about like if you if you criticize my idea, it's not a personal attack. I want to make it like sounding as great as possible. So if I do something that sounds off, just tell me we go a different direction. And um, oftentimes. It helps people um, to then actually do that because I, I'm guessing sometimes people are trying to not like hurt your feelings or something if you spend a lot of time working on something. But uh, I think also like that's very important to know for everyone involved in a creative um, project to yeah to not be afraid to tell if something doesn't work because it just makes the movie worse or the project worse if you if you don't like point those out. I totally agree. It's I mean one of the big things about making movies is communication. I mean, it's really about being able to talk about things, evaluate each other's work and um, inspire each other. And there's also then this that 
like this thing about like how do you evaluate someone else's work? How do you put into words what I mean? If there's something you don't like, how do you say that? Mm. And um, I I think that the for me the the great directors are really able to say this in a way where it's still inspiring. Like say, okay, I'm I don't really like that direction of the sound but there's that little sound over there which is really powerful because it's quiet and emotional and it touches something um like being able to kind of refine your feedback to each other so that it doesn't just get like no yes <laughs> i hate that or like stuff like that it i mean uh, it's really important to be able to communicate um about the process and during the process yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, maybe uh, as we are already speaking about like the the work ethics and like the workloads, do you have any favorite like techniques or tools, um, either for sound design specifically, or also maybe for communication or for working with people that you regularly use? I mean, something um, I know people, for example, that um, use like cue cards or that use uh, like random word generators to get inspired for new things. And um, I'm always looking for for someone else's uh, insights and, and techniques to use? Um, I have many different ways of kind of getting inspiration. Um, I listen to a lot of music uh, and actually also lots of new music. I mean, I, I'm a big, big music lover and I find a lot of inspiration from different musicians and the, the ideas that they're trying out. Um, also because... Uh, I mean, in the film world, if a film has to be theatrically released, it has to go through so many different kind of uh, departments of like, it takes so long time and such so much like so many different people are involved in that process of getting a film distributed. But for an album, for music, I mean, it can be just one person making a record and then releasing the record online. And then you can hear like directly a, like a clear personal vision and sometimes that means that the most kind of crazy ideas come out and some of those ideas might not work but some of those are also just like whoa this is brilliant like um and i really get inspired sometimes by very like um very different music that what you would probably expect like for example evil dead rise was very inspired by the last couple of albums by the band Low. Mm. Uh, it's a band that has a very, I mean, generally their songs are very, well, maybe not quiet, but they are very kind of like, it's 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 very kind of uh, um, minimal music, very, uh, very emotional music, mm. very poetic music. And... Uh, on their last couple of albums, they did all these wild sonic experiments with their sounds so that they used distortion in some really cool ways. Um, and that inspired me to Evil Dead Rise. It was one of the first things that I talked with the supervising dialogue editor, uh, Garrett Farrell, about on the film that I thought we should really explore that, like the the distortion and the noise use that both for like effects but also for how we treated the dialogues and like don't wouldn't let's not be afraid of being radical and noisy and kind of doing things with dialogue that well i mean for all these demon voices also um so that that was an idea that came from me listening to low i mean uh, and Sometimes, like in um, in, I, f I feel that like music can inspire me to kind of think differently about sounds, and uh, that's something I do a lot. So um, that's a way of kind of having getting getting new ideas, fresh ideas for me personally all the time. But then also like. I I quite often work with a lot of the same people. I mean, I already mentioned my assistant, Mikkel Nielsen, who's on every project I do. Um, I also have 
a few other people that I work with a lot. Um, and actually in the beginning of the sound editing process, I usually try and get people together in the same room and we kind of have a bit of a jam session, I call it, mm. where um, at that point I've been talking with the director and I've been doing some sketches and I have a lot of like overall ideas of how this film should sound, but then getting all the different brilliant minds of my team into the same room and we just sit there and share ideas and talk about, oh yeah, this reminds me of a sound I recorded two years ago <laughs> with a weird, uh, like a weird air condition down in my supermarket or something like that. <laughs> There's all these things coming up which uh, can be really inspiring. So also just like using the team as a as a source of inspiration and trying to inspire each other. I, whenever I get to meet a new person that I should collaborate with, um, I mean, on Evil Dead Rise, both Garrett and also the other mixer, Gabriel Gutierrez from Spain, we never worked together before. And from the very beginning, I told them, okay, I think it's super important that you really bring your creativity to this project that don't, I mean, don't keep any ideas like away, like just bring your ideas to the table because that can be really inspiring for all of us. And I think that's very important to have people on your team that you also respect creatively and use them creatively. Of course, like it's, it's, um, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are really great at kind of like doing the technical work of creating sounds, but mm. getting people in there who are really imaginative and um, is just so much more helpful and so rewarding. And it's a way for me to create a creative process where I feel that we create something that's really special and something that I couldn't have thought out on my own that's interesting yeah and i'm um, i wanted to touch on that point because uh, you mentioned you're you're kind of splitting your time between uh, copenhagen and uh, us the skywalker sound ranch um is there like a, a difference between working for like your local uh, scandinavian movie and an international hollywood movie is it like a totally different vibe or is it essentially like if you have a creative team it's a creative team and there's no Like it's every project, of course, is different, but it's like um, there's no like real discernible difference between the two. Um, I mean, it it kind of goes both ways in a way. Like uh, making a movie is like really about making a movie, and in a way, like that goes for any movie that's made. I mean, all over the world. I mean, I've mm -hmm. I've had the amazing privilege and fortune of like meeting a lot of the the people a lot of the sound people that i really see as big inspirations uh mm. and um for example at skywalker ranch i met uh gary reitstrom rented some these people who whose work has been incredibly inspiring to me but and then when you start talking with them you you also realize that, okay, they are actually like facing the same kind of problems and issues and uh, that, you're, that you're facing yourself on your own films because it's really about like how to find the right sound that tells a story. And that kind of goes for anyone in the world making a sound for a movie. Mm. But of course, the kind of practicalities of how to make a film can be very different. And... Um, in uh, Scandinavia, there's this uh, feeling of like you're on a team with and every, I mean, there's not really a hierarchy. Of course, the director is in charge, but where like everyone is kind of part of the creative process and, and everyone can kind of say their opinion and we're really involved in it together. Um, whereas I sometimes feel that um, not on the projects that I work on because there's a tendency towards like that the directors who hire me, they are really interesting in, in me being very, very creatively involved with their projects. Mm. But from what I hear from 
other people specifically, like especially in the U.S., um, where I know a lot of U.S. sound designers and so on who um, are not used to kind of that kind of involvement that I have with the projects and their directors that I work with. I mean, they do amazing work and they get to work on some great films, but um, on on a lot of films they are also kind of a hired hand that does great sounds, but maybe not are as involved in the creative development of of the soundtrack as like as I am. And for example, also just for the projects I work on, I'm very involved in the process with the music as well. I have a lot of communication with the composers usually, and we go back and forth and exchange ideas and so on. And often on big US films, the sound department and the music department are very far apart and don't really talk or meet uh, until the mix. So it's a very different process. And I really feel that um, this um, very open creative collaboration that I experience on the films I work on is something that is makes me a much better sound designer but it's also something that i know other people don't experience and um at the same time though it seems like there's a generation of directors filmmakers who are more and more interested in sound and sound gets a bigger and bigger role in movies uh, so the collaborations are stronger, which is amazing. So things are definitely changing for the better, but um, there, there's, there's still, it still seems like there's a lot of projects where, where as a sound designer, you can somehow be like someone who's hired for the project and not a, like a, a main kind of storyteller of the film. And I think that's incredibly sad in a way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I also talked with with Mark Mangini about that, and he he mentioned that like being involved from the from the as he said like from the script stage already, and having the chance to influence other departments and them influencing you is something that is is always beneficial to the end product. Um, he, he specifically mentioned, for example, that they did the sound for the worm in Dune before the animation was there. So actually, the animation department used the sound for the timings of the movement of the worm and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, that's that's always something that I feel is when I hear from a from a movie that the sound was like tacked on later on and it sounds great. I realize now even more what a tremendous effort that is because, yeah, it's you're you're basically then working in a kind of a vacuum and in a constricted space where you you everything is already done and you don't have any chance to to influence the the outcome. Um, yeah, speaking speaking of challenges. Um, do you have any other things where you're struggling with? For example, if you have something where you can't find the right sound, um, what do you do then? Do you have some kind of techniques? Do you just leave this one sound for now and go to something else? Or um, is there something where you just power through and try just a lot of ideas until something sticks? Or do you have any any techniques that I can <laughs> maybe adapt? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... That can definitely be hard sometimes, like that kind of uh, how to find the proper creativity and also how to kind of, sometimes it's also like I have an idea in my head and it's just really hard to kind of get get that to materialize as the sound I was looking for. Um, I, I quite often do this thing where... I mean, if I want a sound to be something like uh, somehow otherworldly or like or expressive or something, I like kind of just taking in a lot of um, random sounds that emotionally fit together, but might be from like lots of different kind of like things. And I mean. Um, so that I use the sound of a weird creaking door that has like a, a great shriek to it. And I then take the sound of a camel I recorded in 
in Egypt. And like when I did this, the Sonic Scream for the Evil Dead Rise, it's really, it's, I mean, some of those ideas are kind of like, um, yes, I need a scream. Yes, I need the sound of the room falling apart and things rattling. But all of these extra things that, I mean, kind of comes to me as associations. And then I often like put them into Pro Tools as um, different sounds on top of each other. And then I really love using faders. So I love having then the sounds and different faders and then just moving them up and down and then getting that kind of musicality from that so that the, these different sounds meld into each other in a way that I would never be able to to imagine. And I often, I often take one sound uh, and then process it in different ways and put that on different tracks so that I have these weird processed sounds that um, I don't, uh, often I, I don't even listen to them, but then just like fade them in and out in different ways. And then suddenly like something appears that is special and unique. So you're almost playing it like an instrument. Yeah, exactly. That's really, I mean, I feel that the more musical my approach to the sound design is, the more emotional it gets and the more powerful it gets. But also, of course, sometimes I'm just like, oh, I, I really can't find the the right sound for a specific moment. And then, I mean, then sometimes there's like, there's usually always something kind of more back to basics that you need to do. Like, mm. okay, I, there's this sequence, I need to cut in some doors or I need to cut in some, like I need to edit a little bit of Foley that was made for a specific scene. or Something that is more kind of like, back to basics and sometimes that can kind of take my mind away from like being fr creatively frustrated and then I just spend a, a couple of hours doing that and then I can suddenly go back and it's like whoa yeah there's all these crazy ideas suddenly coming up um, yeah. so it's definitely a mixture of different approaches uh, I also just sometimes like just leave my studio and take a little walk and get some air and just think about some different things or um, I mean there's all these things where like having I mean if you're so super focused on sp creating a specific sound for many 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 hours then your brain almost fries I mean it's just like you need a little bit of space you need a little bit of kind of dynamic in your life you need a little <laughs> bit of like I've got two kids and just like being with them can can also just like gives me a little bit of like real life into the the big big uh, movie world that I'm that I'm part of. Yeah, that makes sense and um yeah, I think I'm gonna try that 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 failure idea because I'm I also like like melding sounds together but I I mostly do them very like manually and try to find like the perfect balance but just like not listening to them and putting them on different tracks and trying to play it like an instrument is, is a very cool idea so yeah thank you for the tip <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome um yeah and speaking of recording because you mentioned briefly that you had this one recording of the camel from egypt and you also mentioned that in the behind the scenes video um maybe going back to to the, the beginning of your of your sound recording career. Um, that's one question that I always like to ask my guests is, um, what is the first sound you ever recorded and why did you record it? Wow. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I, th I think the, f the first sound I recorded was probably my own voice. Um, for like some early cassette tapes that uh, we made, uh, me and my sister made for my grandmother. Um, and then uh, I realized that on this um, uh, stereo I had, that if you pushed a certain, t I mean, it was like a double tape recorder and it also had a vinyl player. And if you pushed three different buttons at exactly the same time, then you could record on one tape, you could record both what was on the other tape and what the vinyl was playing. 
so I could make these weird mixtapes and and then not just only like record like um, I mean because in the beginning I I've, I used it to record music, but I also kind of found okay so I had some vinyls that were supposed to play at 78 okay so if I played them back at 33 and then the kind of pushed the rewind and forward button on the cassette tape then I could record these weird sounds that could kind of lead like be leading into some music or like having all these kind of crazy sounds that that uh, <laughs> for me was just a, a, a very early way of um, using the recording medium in a creative way that's kind of what always what I've been uh, interested in and then I um, as soon as I recorded more kind of like sound effects I also just realized like the that recording a sound is so much more than just recording a sound you can manipulate with how you record it i mean you you i love the the story of how ben bird recorded things through like he recorded a highway through uh the a vacuum cleaner pipe i think or something like that <laughs> and then got got some weird almost like spaceship kind of sounds from that and this way that you can I'm also I love the way that you can record sounds at a long at a I mean at a long distance and kind of like getting for example I've always loved train sounds and whenever I'm in London for example and walk around in the underground there I always kind of like stand in one of these long long corridors and record trains that I mean, they are far, far away and like in, in, at the other end of a corridor and further down, like, and you just get the weird reverberation of like things that pass, mm. pass around you. And I've, I've, I've always loved to record sounds like that, that are almost like manipulated in themselves because they are so fascinating, I think. So I, that is something I was interested in all the way from my childhood. And actually, my dad has this story that I don't remember it myself, but he says that uh, he had like this tape-to-tape, like quarter-inch kind of recorder uh, uh, or tape tape machine when I was a small kid. And he says that when I was just two years old, he woke up in the middle of the night because he heard this weird sound from the living room and then he walked into the living room and I was standing in front of this tape machine and kind of scratching the tapes. <laughs> so then he um, he got his dad who was uh, uh, an engineer. He, like, he, he built, just as a toy, he built like a quarter inch tape recorder for me so I could just play around with the tapes without it being the expensive machine that I was doing it on. So that fascination of just like playing around with the the medium itself, playing with the sounds is something that was with me from the like from very early on. Yeah, I can I can totally relate to that also with the vinyls trying to play them at different speeds like i remember that from my youth as well and um also like like you just mentioned the the recording of of those like distant sounds over reverberations and and spaces is something that's always also fascinating to me i um like on a the last family vacation we had we were at the beach and um i i really like the waves of course wave sounds and water sounds is always something that i really like but there was something very special because there was this kind of dam built for when the tide rises too high and they had these like underground canals, I'm guessing, because I didn't see them, but I just saw this hole. And as the waves came in and out, this hole was playing almost like an alien flute-like music because yeah, the, the sounds and the pressure just made yeah, made the air go in and out of all those different canals underground. And you could couldn't see anything. You could just hear this very strange flute playing and uh, yeah at, at one point I found like the source and I of course recorded it like just smiling like a madman standing there with my recorder that sounds um, amazing yeah that's yeah it's, it's a very cool material and uh, I, I just I hope I can visit it again and, and find some more time to get it without without birds without people and 
stuff like that. But it's always those little things where you're like, where is that sound coming from? Why does it do that? And especially if you don't, if you if you understand kind of where it comes from, but still, like you said, you, you couldn't expect the outcome. There's so many things at play and you get this very weird and wonderful sound, like just a natural sound that you can capture there. And it's, yeah, it's very inspiring. It, it also inspired like, the next ambient thing I did, so it's uh, yeah, it's always great to get inspired by real things. But yeah, speaking of um, of the technology, because we both uh, apparently also grew up with, with the vinyl records in our home, and um, that is a very tangible way of feeling like yeah, okay, if you slow it down, it gets lower in pitch, and it gets lower, and it gets higher, and you get a like a tangible feel for for manipulating sound. Um, but how important do you think? it is for us as sound designers to like stay updated with the latest technology in the field. Is it something where you feel like, okay, it's always, always good to check this out or is it maybe even a hindrance and, and removing us more from the, from the actual source and from the actual tactile feel of it? Um, I think generally that sound people has a tendency towards talking too much about technique and equipment and gear and um, not talking enough about creativity and uh, experimentation and things that you can play around with. Um, but then at the same time, I'm, I love what technology has done for our work. And I mean just walking around with these uh, small recorders that can mm. record great sounds. Um, and I mean, it's cheap uh, and it's easy, but it's, I mean, the quality is really good. You can use that in like any kind of high-end, high high-tech project. Uh, I think like a development like that is amazing. I, I'm a big fan of Dolby Atmos, uh, how it has changed the... Um, the 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 whole like um, possibilities for playing with sound in the cinema and at home, um, I th I think that's an I mean the whole idea of creating like enveloping sound like that is for me incredibly uh, inspiring and has been a creative tool that I've used on many films now. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of plugins coming out all the time, which can do amazing things. And um, it's, uh, I mean, just kind of keeping track of all the new plugins that come out and all the new options you have is something you could spend all your time on just like trying to keep up with that. And there's a, I mean, I love how there's so many kind of independent distributors and inventors out there who just do something that they are very passionate about and it's very specialized and you get something that like that nothing else can create that sound or that creative tool um but then at the same time i'm also like i mean there's a lot of the kind of the the basic things of like going out recording sounds uh, having great collaborations with directors through dialogue, through talking about like how do you how do you want to approach this? All all these different things that are something that haven't changed for many many years and never will really change. Um, and um, I think it's kind of like um, you have to use the best of both worlds and don't get too focused on the technology. Uh, use the technology for for your purpose and for your story instead of like the other way around. The story shouldn't be the technology. The technology should work with the story. Uh, and um, so, yeah, it's it's an amazing time because so many things are being developed and happening, and we have so many possibilities for being creative nowadays. But it's also important that we stay creative and don't get caught up in in the, the machines. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. 
And I think it's a, it's a very very nice uh, way of of ending ending this episode. So um, the only thing really left to ask is: Do you have like any shout outs, any upcoming projects you want to promote, or anyone you want to say hello to? <laughs> um, I I just feel very privileged to work with a lot of filmmakers and directors who are really into sound, uh, and I feel very privileged to get to work with a lot of sound people who are so creative and inspiring. Like, uh, my, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do the work I do without the team I've got. Um, and that's like Mikkel, who I already mentioned. It's the, uh, like, um, it's the mixers I work with. It's the Foley artists I work with. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really, like, privilege to get to work with all these great people and i think that uh, the collaborative kind of spirit of filmmaking is something that i really love and it almost feels like a family coming together for each project that i work on it's amazing that's wonderful to hear okay then thank you again for your time it was really a pleasure talking to you and i wish you a happy new year Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Amazing. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting on patreon.com slash fieldandfoley or ko-fi.com slash fieldandfoley, where you gain early access to episodes in lossless format and can submit questions for our guests. Thank you for listening.